Microphone check, one, two, what is this? It's the five foot seven assassin in the podcast business. I am your host, Rohan Patra, the rap music plug at your service. Here we are again at the end of the rap music plug podcast presented by QLC TV is the remedy to the I don't have anything good to listen to problem. Through in-depth album and song reviews, as well as artist interviews and general rap commentary sprinkled in between on all of what the mainstream and underground rap scenes have to offer, this is your one-stop shop to knowing what to add to your queue, play next, or pop into your record player. Welcome to the show. 2021, am I right? Man, this fucking year. If I had to title this year, it would be titled The Big Pump Fake. This was the year that an insanely revolutionary medicine, the vaccine, was created in record speed, something I didn't expect to happen, and delivered to many places in the world, where I live in Canada particularly, in a privileged first world country that was able to get the vaccine administered at a very high rate, something I also didn't expect to happen. Now, although new variants were always a possibility and an inevitability in my mind, I was able to briefly trick myself into believing that I had potentially the next year ahead of me to be a young adult and meet new people and be somewhat carefree during my last years of true youth left. But then a series of personal and COVID-related developments occurred that savagely pulled the rug from under me. 2022 was gonna be the year, until it wasn't. Now you may be asking, why is all this the beginning of a rap music podcast year-end episode? Well, the answer to that is firstly, fuck you, I can do what I want, this is mine. But joking aside, I bring this up to say that this idea of a big pump fake culminated to its inflection on a specific day during this recent holiday break. The day was December 27th and I was feeling really bad. I was isolated at home due to getting COVID, Omicron was taking the world by storm, and some emotional wounds were peaking in their pain at that time. It was not a normal gloomy day for me. For about five minutes, I felt so alone, so defeated, and exasperated. For about five minutes there, an alarm bell in my subconscious or in my body went off for probably the first time in five, six years. I had really entered a crisis moment that really shook me to my core. But then a light bulb flickered inside me. I'm done feeling this way. I thought to myself, and immediately went to the only thing that I could think of in that moment that could potentially snap me out of this negative spiral as soon as possible. I was desperate. I needed this to work. And that saving grace, that antidote was for anyone who knows me even slightly would assume. It was music. I played Fantastic Volume 2 by Slum Village. It was my pick for a clutch, anti-anxiety, super chill album that's just so easy on the ears. 
I specifically jumped to Fourth and Back, the track with Corrupt, and told myself to just focus on my regular routine and just do the dishes before bed. And I swear to God, by dish two, I was already bobbing my head and screw facing so hard at that incredibly deep bass line that Dilla laced that track with. And it was at that moment that I caught myself and realized, damn, I was legitimately feeling supremely awful just three to four minutes ago. All it took was the late great Dilla and that Detroit swagger of Slum Village for me to legitimately get rescued from, let's just call it a suboptimal moment, a suboptimal day. What this all means is that every single time you listen to a piece of music, or better yet, consume a piece of art in general, it has the power to fundamentally change how you experience the world and feel in that very moment. That is impact. And in a time like we are living in currently, it is needed more than ever. So we all got to thank the artists out there and support them with actual money too. They have bills and families as well. Because just like Slum Village and Dilla gave to me in that moment, they gave me the power to not fall victim to this vague 1984 hellscape we currently live in. We genuinely all have the power in one way, shape, or form to at least briefly experience some joy or better yet, just feel anything at all. I just want anybody who's going through anything at all out there to just remember that you got music. You have something that could maybe help you out like it did for me. And if you're thinking, hey, this was mad inspirational, man. And honestly, you're so handsome. I do want to find some artists to love and support like you. I'm just not sure what's worth checking out. Well, boy, do I have a show for you. This is the Rap Music Plug podcast, the remedy to the I don't have anything good to listen to problem. I got what you need. So stay tuned and find out what my favorite music was of 2021 in the second edition of the RMPPs, Rap's premier Rap Music Plug podcast year-end episode. Let's go. So in this episode, you will hear what my favorite music was from this year. Emphasis on favorite, to be clear, there was no objectivity even insinuated in the next however long this episode will be. It's all my subjective personal preference. I'll be discussing these following categories in this order. My favorite musical discovery of 2021, my choices for best rap in a supporting role, beat of the year, song of the year, producer of the year, and finally rapper of the year before we get into the top albums discussion for 2021. So starting with my favorite musical discoveries of the year. This is not going to be a winner. I just want to shout out some people that really deserve shouting out. Firstly, I'm starting with Joaquin Fox, a.k.a. Vellum Bristol, which is the producer moniker for this artist. He's someone that I only really got tuned into in about spring, summertime of 2021. And I was immediately taken aback with 
one, his rapping style that is reminiscent of artists that are in that kind of abstract art rap vibe, like like a Rap Ferreira, for example, Open Mike Eagle. But he just has, one, a really strong and thoughtful mind that he brings to his music all the time. You can hear it in kind of the social commentary and the way he dissects issues. It's, it's not preachy, it's not overbearing, but it's really smart. And then, man, this dude can can flow his ass off. And then as a producer, I'm telling you, as a producer, this guy is is one of a kind. And you'll be hearing more about his production efforts and his rapping efforts too later on in the episode. So I'll move on to the next person I want to shout out. That's Blood Blixing. Fucking listen to so many Blood Blixing albums. He's one of the guys that if anybody follows me on Twitter, they know how much I shout this guy's music out. He is both an amazing rapper and producer who just released like 700 projects this year and not in a throwaway, I'm just trying to fill some quota kind of way. Like he really dropped some very high quality projects, which you will be hearing about in detail later on in this episode. And also for doing the jingle for this podcast uh i legitimately gave him about three sentences of direction i had something in mind that i was hoping he could produce as uh the jingle for the show and he legit did it first try i had no feedback i was like what the fuck this is this is perfect this is exactly what i wanted it was exactly the right tone and the musical qualities that i was looking for so props to him Next, I have Gang, who obviously I was able to interview and who is obviously an, a fantastic producer and a label collective head at PTP that has just dropped so much quality music uh, for the better part of this last decade, but with my experience over this past year. And he's just, I consider him a friend. I consider him a guy that's so knowledgeable and has just been very supportive of what we're doing here and by we I, I legitimately just mean me I don't have any team with me <laughs> but has just been very supportive and very welcoming uh, and I really appreciate him next I want to shout out Luca who also is someone that I just think is so genuine and a really good guy was also able to interview him and was just one of my f absolute favorite discoveries from just the standpoint of Jesus Christ, this guy is the one. This guy is a star. And I really, I always say this, but I got the same feeling I got listening to Luca. I got while listening to Kendrick Lamar for the first time. He's that special. Next, I have Big Flowers. Big Flowers, another guy, was able to interview, super impressed with his artistry and his just really unbelievably developed artistic vision uh, as a first introduction to me and as an artist that hasn't put out a lot of solo material in his career to date. And then finally, a guy that's just really genuine, really nice, and was someone who was so great as a collaborator to create the, the video animation style and template that you see me routinely have for all of my marketing material and for the YouTube videos. 
And that I just feel really gave me a lot of confidence as I further pushed the show and tried to tweak things and make it bigger. I felt really proud of the product I was putting on social media, putting on these podcast platforms. And I'm really appreciative of that. Okay, now I'm getting to the first true award of this second annual RMPPs. I'm so excited. Let's get started. Firstly, we have the best rap in a supporting role. And the nominees are Koreatown Oddity on Steel Tip Dove's NFT. We have Navy Blue on Akai Solo's No Doubt. We have Curly Castro on Arm & Hammer's Wishing Bad. Iceberg Theory on Blood Blixing's Star of David. Ransom on Conway the Machine's Kill All Rats. Andre 3K on Life of the Party by Kanye. And then finally, Rome Streets on Eddie Kingston. And the winner for Best Rap in a Supporting Role is Three Stacks, Life of the Party. This was a particularly tough one. I was so close to giving this to Castro. I really wanted to, but I had to go with Three Stacks here because he truly dropped one of the most touching odes to a, to kind of like his family and his mother that I honestly have ever heard. The poetry in how he frames this lyrically in relation to Kanye's mother Donda, it, it was just beautiful. It really took my breath away the moment I first heard it. But not only that, the nuance in the way he's critical of some of the ways his parents parented before ultimately showing empathy and understanding to the fact that just like many of us out there, they were just doing their best with what they had and what they knew. I just thought that was so mature and so just so special. Another remarkable example of why Andre 3000 is a legend. And now to our next award, we have Beat of the Year. So the nominees are Arm & Hammer's Sir Benny Miles, produced by The Alchemist, Andrew Mabarak's and Vellum Bristol, The Freedom of the Poet, produced by Vellum Bristol, Two Dollar Will and Blood Blixing's Butte, Track 10, they're all named very similar, uh, produced by Blood Blixing, Blood Blixing's Goof Killer Part 2, produced by Blood Blixing. I can just say Blood Blixing another seven times in a row, but, you know, he's made a lot of good shit, like I said. And finally, the last nominee is Cities of Eve with Face Pressed Against the Glass, produced by Cities of Eve. And the winner for Beat of the Year goes to Vellum Bristol's The Freedom of the Poet. Vellum Bristol on this track gave Andrew a beat that is really hard to put in words. It is unrelenting in its dedication to just completely fucking with your head. It's so chaotic, absolutely immaculate in its musical detail and array of sounds that it warps, fragments, and spits back out of you. Like the rest of this ultraviolet flamingo album, uh, created by Andrew Mubarak and Vellum Bristol. This beat is just a masterclass in experimentation that I can't get enough of. 
Okay, now moving to Song of the Year. The nominees are Arm and Hammer, Indian Summer, Cities of Eve, Talking to the Flowers, Curly Castro's Black August in Four Parts, Iceberg Theory and August Fanon's Untitled, Little Sims, Misunderstood, Luca, Bodies in Freezer, featuring Beneficial and St. Courts, and then finally, Wiki's Grape Soda. And the winner for Song of the Year is Arm & Hammer's Indian Summer. From the unsettling beat and even more unsettling verses, it just won me over from day one. In particular, Woods' verse here that still has me in awe due to the way the story he tells could mean so many things or mean literally nothing at all and just be a stray anecdote about mowing the lawn with shitty bosses in the hot summer day. And then Elucid continues this elusive nature of the track beautifully in his verse as well and just makes this song a highlight among highlights on Haram. So now moving to producer of the year, my nominees are The Alchemist, Blood Blixing, Navy Blue, Iceberg Theory, and Messiah Music. So my winner for producer of the year in 2021 is none other than Messiah Music. I'll admit this one was really tight, especially with The Alchemist in particular who had one of the best produced albums of recent memory with Haram and then Blood Blixing, who had so many standout beats and just an onslaught of quality content all year. But I went with Messiah Music because not only did he have Trap Door and Only Child that he produced front to back featuring truly amazing production, but I feel like so many different times this year, I noticed my ears really perk up while listening to an album that featured multiple producers, and it always happened to be the Messiah music beat that caught me. He also had an instrumental album, Gone If, which features some great beats as well. What I really love about Messiah music's sound is that it's just so versatile. It covers so much ground with grit in the drums that are always present and full, and surrounding instrumentation that is often pretty, beautifully layered, and strikes an emotional chord off just the sound alone that is very rare, very, very special. 2021 was just an all-round great year for one of the best producers in the game. Big props to Messiah Music. And now the final individual award before we move to our top albums of the year discussion. We have reached the time to talk rapper of the year. My first nominee is Luca. Next, I have Def C. After that, I have Rome Streets. Then $2 Will. And finally, Billy Woods. So without further ado, my rapper of the year in 2021 is Luca. Luca was 2021's cheat code. What Luca brings to the table is just plainly unfair. He can rap better than just about anybody else right now, yet also has the mind, the songwriting, 
and the artistic vision to go along with it. Luca's music has an immediacy and musical ear candy found in the impressive flows and the production that he chooses. His music also has food for thought found in his lived experience that he one has processed very maturely, but two can actually communicate back into the music, which is extremely difficult to do so consistently. And finally, Luca's music is created by someone with an artistic identity, meaning these albums of his aren't just a collection of random songs. These are true fleshed out statements that not only have great individual elements, but actually come together to be greater than the sum of its parts. Luca simply could not do wrong in 2021 and showed me that he is squarely on a path right now to rarefied air if he manages to keep this up and I have no doubts that he'll be able to do that. Just an incredible year and an incredible artist that if you're not tapped into, stop fucking sleeping, get on that right now. Luca is the truth. Okay, now we are finally at the final stage of the second annual RMPPs with my top 125 albums of the year. Again, there's no objectivity. If I say best, I mean to say favorite. It's always subjective. And simply put, I listened to a fuck ton of music in 2021, but there was still so much I never could get to. Either I listened to it once or twice and just never got back to it or never listened to it at all. So if your album that you either made or you just love as a fan isn't here, it's possible my personal preference just didn't love it like that or I never got a chance to really sink my teeth into it. Also, another disclaimer here because I think it's really important to frame this and let this be a celebration of the amazing year rap had versus just like a feed into negativity type thing. Like I want this to be a celebration. So on that note, I have been paying close attention to conversation related to hierarchical formats of music coverage and the downsides of that. I particularly am thinking of my conversation with Gang in particular, where we discussed this at length in the interview that I had with him. I still see the value though, at the end of the day, in these lists from the standpoint of the consumer, that it's just a very well accepted and effective tool to spotlight great music and get people to check things out. I know at least for me personally, I love list season because I can always just very easily find projects that I missed that I should check out and I love that. All this being said though, one part of this discourse that did make me alter my approach was the meaningless or arbitrary nature of ranking projects together that were so drastically different than one another. I'm thinking of having the latest Navy Blue album ranked right above Kanye's Donda. Like it's just, they're not really the same. They don't relate. This doesn't really add anything to the discourse. It's just a very arbitrary ranking. So I decided to structure this year's best favorite albums list into tiers. And the tiers aren't ranked amongst themselves. They're just individual standalone tiers. And I base that just on a vibe or a particular style that they make all commonly fit in so that 
at least the ranking was somewhat relevant between the projects within a category or a tier. There are nine categories or tiers covering 125 albums in total, along with some honorable mentions. Why 125 albums? Honestly, I don't know. Just just a random number that I came to. There was just so much music that dropped this year. I couldn't cover it in just 50, even 100 projects. So I hope you enjoy the most comprehensive overview of rap's 2021 run of greatness that I could think of and make. And make sure you listen to every single thing I speak to from this point forward. It's all great music from here on out. So some honorable mentions before we get started into the categories. I have Esty Knack and Mr. Rose's Biakugan. Sorry, Knack, I don't know how to pronounce that. Smooth and Giallo, Gallo Point. I'm sorry, two butchered names in a row. Their project, Amongst Wolves, really dope. Link Loans, Lost and Found in Paradise. Hoobie Jazz and Blood Blick Scenes, Planet Ooh Gangsta Edition. Finds Doubles, Flotar. Walking Foxes, Won't Hide the Badness. And Wrecking Crews, Steel's Kitchen. All right, so now moving to the first tier here is called Sub 15 which are just projects that are 15 minutes or less. And that's pretty much it. So at number four, I have Foul Monk and Jackie Scan's Asterix Acid Trips. Foul Monk gave Jackie Scan a truly batshit crazy splash of psychedelic color in these beats that I just absolutely loved. And Jackie Scan's uniquely quick flow that consistently neglects the traditional pockets of a beat was just so well done just further added to the ingenuity of this short ep which made it supremely fun and very rewarding at number three i have green slime's monk in just 14 minutes green slime gives you a fulsome look into why you need to be paying close attention to this chicago mc and producer because as slime detailed in my recent interview with him this album is filled with beats that are as sweet as honey with just a really gorgeous delicacy in the production that's intimate yet so smooth and soulful and as a rapper he's so charismatic he's so witty and clever yet also is remarkably honest and personal in the way he kind of raps that you really feel like you get to know him in just a short period of time. And I am just so unbelievably excited to see what he has in store for us in 2022, because from what I've heard, it's going to be special. At number two, I have Rich Jones and Killer Kane's Blue Beach. Another Chicago MC, Rich Jones, teamed up with Killer Kane for a remarkably impactful EP that left a significant impression on me. Kane's production was just so mesmerizing and dreamlike and had amazing drums and percussion that was hypnotic. It was just gorgeously produced. And Rich Jones' performance really leaned into his singing voice that absolutely blew me away. That, along with his thoughtful raps, made this a killer four-track pack that I have played so many times this past year. And finally, at number one, 
for this category of sub 15. I have Kinsey Babyface Perlis, Star Moon One Sun. Perlis is a genius, full stop, and I don't use that word lightly. Just about everything this guy has released since 2018 is either great or spellbinding classic material. On this short EP, he raps over some well-produced and nicely textured beats from VR and August Fanon, a frequent collaborator of his. As he does on all his projects, there are many impactful bars that are abstract, surely, but they become very concrete in its meaning if you take the time to let the lyrics digest. And I think that is what separates Perlis from other MCs who frequent this abstract space of hip-hop. And this is something that I will certainly, certainly expand on more when I eventually do a deep dive of his entire discography once his collaborative album with August Fanon uh, drops, because that is coming very soon to my knowledge. So look out for that. But in the meantime, listen to this EP and check out the rest of his discography. Consider this the number one recommendation you hear from this episode. Listen to Kinsey Babyface Perlis. It is good for your health. All right. Now, we are moving to the majors. This tier is major label albums. So, at number five, I have Slow Ties, Tyron. After releasing the acclaimed Nothing Great About Britain back in 2018, and experiencing fame and some controversy that was definitely self-inflicted, Slowtie came through with a thoughtful concept album of sorts that was executed decently well with a few moments of greatness. I enjoyed it. At number four, I have Vince Staples' self-titled album. Vince's long-awaited follow-up to the exhilarating radio-themed FM was a surprisingly tame and reserved album from the Long Beach rapper that certainly took me a while to get with, but the deepening maturity and subtle catchiness in the raps and Kenny Beats's production eventually resonated with me. At number three, I have Maxo Cream's Weight of the World. Maxo Cream's been a dude that I immediately saw star potential in back when I first heard his Persona tape in 2016. And that was due to his street swagger, but accompanied with actual great rapping talent and strong songwriting abilities. Since then, he has ascended to stardom, as I expected, and this latest album is his most polished work to date. Don't think it hits the emotional and infectious highs of Brandon Banks, but it's still a dope project from a very promising artist. At number two, I have Kanye West's Donda. Much like Ye's actual life, Donda is a mess. I know that. It has contradictory messages, inconsistent writing, yet also has moments of absolute marvel with a musical imprint that is incredibly interesting in its mix of gospel, futuristic elements of trap, and traditional hip-hop. It's a shame that Ye's lyricism and the quality of the features weren't better, and most importantly, it's a shame that Ye is generally this complicated and in many ways dangerous figure that overall casts a negative shadow on what should have been an album to celebrate in honor of his late mother. But as I detailed at length in my review of this album, 
Donda and Kanye in general holds a special place in my heart. I can't escape it. So it still ends up at number two because I am nothing but authentic on this show. And despite its obvious flaws, I played this thing a whole lot and enjoyed the vast majority of it. And at number one for the majors tier, we have one of Kanye's offspring in a lot of ways, Tyler the Creator with Call Me If You Get Lost. This album was a significant change of pace that saw Tyler really make it absolutely clear. I can rap and I can rap well, don't minimize me, and also cut the homophobic shit out too while you're at it because I rap better than 95% of these street rappers anyways. That's basically what he said. Not really, but I liked how raw and mixtape feeling this project felt like with the DJ drama, DJ tags, while still keeping that Tyler level of album concept in play to an extent, culminating with one of the realest relationship songs I've ever heard in my life in Wilshire, where Tyler straight up discusses being the side piece that seems to have been friend zone mostly, where he fell in love with this girl and still maintains a relationship with the girl as a friend to this day, owning his mistakes in this messy situation and hers as well. I just can't get over how impressive that song was and how bold it is in its just frank reality and messiness of it all. I love it. Overall, it's a great album and my favorite major label release of 2021. Now, moving to our next tier, we have the entertainment tier, which is basically just albums that can lift your spirits and maybe even make you laugh. So, at number 10, and from now this point on, since the tiers are larger than five albums, I'm just going to be naming the lower ranked albums and just kind of give a, a quick little context for the top five. So at number 10, I have $2 Will and Young Regis, Mining City Christmas. Just as an FYI, get used to $2 Will. He's going to be popping up quite a bit in this category. At number 9, I have $2 Will and JD Masters this time, Elaine Bennis. At 8, I have Z Loopers, Van Gogh's Left Ear. At 7, I have YL, Soda Club. At number 6, I have Jackie Scan and Blood Blixing, Acid Tabs, Gangsta Edition. At number 5, I have $2 Will and Iceberg Theories, Butte Chips. So this was the first album within Will's very prolific 2021 catalog that didn't just feel promising and entertaining, but truly felt like the details and the consistency was beginning to really take form. Also, as his first full-length collaboration with Iceberg Theory, it was really fun, full of colorful production, and was a sign of what was to come. At number four, I have Raheem Supreme and Al Davino, Splash Bandicoot. Raheem Supreme had a very busy year in 2021 and first burst onto my radar with this electric collaboration with Davino that is just bananas. Davino gave Raheem some seriously nutty beats and he did wonders with them, showcasing a ridiculous breath control and ability to shift rhythms with ease. Just a super fun project. At number three, I have Stick Figure and Conductor Williams, Joyland. 
Sticks collab with Conductor was a variety mix of great ear candy, showing great flows and a variety in the lyrical content with impeccable production from Conductor Williams, showcasing his range as an elite producer over the course of an entire album, which is something that for those that are only familiar with him through his placements on Griselda Records and Griselda adjacent records, this is something you really need to check out. It's a very enjoyable album that serves as a nice introduction to the work of both Stick Figure and Conductor Williams. And check my three keys of this album, which I did in collaboration with Conductor and Stick Figure on the RMPP website to learn more. At number two, I have Two Dollar Will once again with his Blood Blixing collaboration, Butte Beer Gangsta Edition. Two Dollar Will and Blood Blixing struck fucking gold with this album. I can't even, I'm going to try to explain it, but just at about 20 minutes, it features what Blix would call Aldovino type beats with psychedelic samples, crazy grooves, and hard drums throughout the project that were just so addictive. And Will just slides all over this album, delivering his soccer mom blunted out raps with some hilarious lines and a magnetic rapping style that is really solidified now at this point in the year and his releases and is so impressive. Replay value on this is crazy high and is generally one of my most heavily played albums of the year. And finally, at number one for the entertainment category of the second annual RMPPs, it is $2 Will and Iceberg Theory's country rap collab album, Bad Man from Red Butte. Simply put, I've never heard production like this before. These beats don't just dabble in some country elements here and there, but instead it just truly incorporates dirty guitar riffs, drums, smoky vocal samples that in hindsight surprise me that it hasn't been done more often before or at all. Will's style was tailor-made for this country rap vibe too and gives us his most impressive rapping performance so far. And as a double album, there is little to no filler with song after song that entertains and impresses lyrically and instrumentally. A terrific album and one of the best of the year, period. Now moving to our next tier, and that is the butter tier. Albums that are smooth as butter, like Mama used to make it or something like that, right? Uh, okay, so starting at number eight, I have Moselle and Ariel's Rise Above Yourself. At seven, Link Loans to Thine Own Self Be True. At six, Andrew's Pop 1967. At five, we have YL, It Never Entered My Mind. YL's first album that made a real impact on me, featuring inventive production from the likes of No Face in particular that was brilliant. And his rapid fire flow and effortless cool made this such a dope listen. And number four, Concept Jackson and Moriarty's A Graceful Snafu. Moriarty, a new producer to my ears, gave Concept such a beautiful, smooth, soulful sound that added a different feel to Concept's typical musical style. He still was flowing his ass off, but there was a warmth and vulnerability that was added from the silky production and the gorgeous guest vocals. At number three, I have Mick Jenkins' Elephant in the Room. This is Mick's most realized album 
ever since arguably his breakout mixtape, The Waters. It incorporates his neo-soul inspirations into a mature and highly catchy rap record that absolutely delivered on all fronts. At number two, I have Raheem Supreme and Obliv's Black Keys with Melodies. Raheem Supreme's Obliv collaborations is Raheem embodying an old school MC ethos. It's not like he's necessarily doing anything different, but it's on this album that I really started to realize that Raheem puts an emphasis on his vocal presence, not like any other rapper that I hear these days, and is so highly engaging and charismatic as a rap performer that he would surely sound so well in a live environment. Obliv compliments Supreme with some super groovy and smooth production that is executed so well, this project will instantly brighten your mood. And finally, at number one in the butter tier, we have Doof and Uncle Tim's latest creation, Swamp Funk. This album excels in so many ways, but at its core, there is just an organic, an effortless feel to just about everything on here that makes it so special. The chemistry between rapper and producer is exceptional, making Swamp Funk such a seamless listening experience. Deuce raps are thoughtful, funny, intimate, and Uncle Tim's beats just accentuate all of these qualities with beautiful sample chop after beautiful sample chop. This is their magnum opus, in my opinion, as a duo, and is easily one of the absolute best albums of the year. All right, next tier we have For the Soul. This tier is for albums that are just dripping in soul and wholesome all around. At number 16, we have Masai's With the Shifts. 15, we have Nelson Bandela, God, Dad, Bod. 14, Sleep Sinatra's Sleep Gloriously with Ed Glorious. Lord Jamonte Ogbon's Beautifully Black. Pink Navel's Epic. At 11, Kuna Bear and Vastness's Big Sun King. At 10, we have Big Flowers with Big Smile. At number 9, I have Samira Truth's I Got Bands for the Moon Landing. 8, Navy Blues, Navy's Reprise. 7, Nappy Nina and J-Words, Double Down. 6, Amani, A Constant Condensation. And then at 5, Pink Saifu's Gumbo. Gumbo is just a beautiful mixture of soul, swagger, delivered through a variety of different styles that on paper would just sound like a complete mess, but acting as the album's master orchestrator, Saifu wonderfully managed the different styles and laundry list of guest features beautifully, making it sound so cohesive and somehow makes sense when it's all said and done. A real artistic achievement for Saifu. And number four, I have Concept Jackson and Obliv's Jet Magazine reissue 2021. Concept Jackson linked up with Obliv, who was a busy producer this year, and created one of the most soulful, funky, and even romantic rap albums of the year. Concept's flows are dizzying. Obliv's beats sometimes sound straight impossible to rap over. 
but not for an alien MC-like concept. There is an addictive quality to the blistering pace that this album runs with and this sun-soaked sound that I just can't get enough of. Another one of those albums that I played at an alarming rate this year. Number three, we have Lil Sims, Sometimes I Might Be Introvert. UK's Lil Sims built off of her already very strong gray area from 2018 and created arguably the most ambitious album of the entire year. It's the closest thing I think we've got to late registration since that album dropped in 2005 as it relates to the orchestral sound that producer Inflow laced this album with. But this album truly excels when Sims is at her most vulnerable, showing a tremendous ability to articulate complex and layered emotions in a way that doesn't feel overly academic and instead just feels human. This is a complete album from its immense production to its powerful raps. At number two, we have Wiki's Half God. Wiki's collaboration with Navy Blue brought the absolute best out of him. Surely Navy's beats were good, but Wiki really was the shining star of this album. He was his most personal and introspective he's ever been, and continued the lyrical growth seen on the previous album from him of that year, and that is Telephone Booth. Half God's an album that I feel elevated Wiki to another level of MC, pushing his craft to elite heights with one complete body of work now as a solo artist that he can absolutely stand behind. And at number one for the For the Soul tier, we have Mike's Disco. Mike has been an artist that has always wore his heart on his sleeve. His normally monotonous rapping delivery is often a point of contention for his critics, but for me, I feel his delivery properly reflects the downtrodden and exhausted nature that one deals with when they are dealing with mental health struggles. As someone who lost his mother in the past couple years, Mike's music has accurately reflected the confusion and loneliness that came from such an event. On Disco, I feel there is an acceptance and a weight that has been lifted off of Mike's shoulders that is so beautiful to see. And musically, this album shines like the album title would suggest. Jazzy and glitchy soul is littered throughout this album in a great way. Disco is such a heartwarming album. Now moving to the next tier here, we have Grown Man Raps. This is music that really hit those mature themes of adulthood, growing up, growing old, maybe. So at number 15, we have Old Burger Beats and Vio Dialogue. 14, Evidence, Unlearning Volume 1. 13, Blues, The Color Blue. 12, Teller Banks and Ed Glorious's The Part in Parcel. 11, Jason Griff and Alaska, Human Zoo. 10, Def C and Nick Arcade, Scenic Deluxe. 9, Zilla Rocka's Vegas Vic. 8, Career Crooks, which is Zilla Rocka and Small Pro, Never at Peace. Number 7, Makami, 
Balance Cho. Number six, Def C and August Fanon's We Dress the City in Our Names. And at number five, we have Sky Zoo's All the Brilliant Things. So Sky Zoo is one of the most consistent MCs over the past decade, and his latest album, centered around themes of fatherhood and gentrification in a really eloquent way, and I think it might be his best ever. The production is so rich, soulful, heavily jazz-inspired, and fits Sky Zoo's top-tier, effortless rapping abilities so perfectly. At number four, I have Vic Spencer's Psychological Cheat Sheet 2. So Spencer teamed up with August Fanon for a follow-up to their 2020 first iteration of this series. I was late to that, and I absolutely did not want to be caught slipping this time. And these guys absolutely delivered, with some of Fanon's best work at creating a rich and cohesive musical experience front to back. And Vic is as personal, witty, and honest as ever, making this, making this, yeah, definitely my favorite Vic Spencer album yet. At number three, I have Mock Hami again with Pray for Haiti. Marking Mock's Griselda return, Mock gained from his reconnection with Westside Gun that I've spoke to many times now in that he really polished his album making skills up in the sequencing and the overall thematic execution. And although I stand by my original review of this record when it came out, at the time of my initial review, I feel the strengths found in the writing and the way the album's themes related to the Haitian culture of Mach, uh were executed. I don't think at the time of the review, I really truly appreciated it like I should have. And it's further grown on me since then. A re-review, by the way, of this may pop up on the horizon for RMPP patrons. So if you're into that sort of thing, you know what to do. But overall, this is Mock's most accessible album yet, and it's also one of his best in his illustrious catalog. At number two, we have Def C once again and Messiah Music with Trapdoor. Def C's Backwoods debut was unquestionably a massive success. Although he certainly benefited from the Backwoods juice through the added hype behind the album and the multiple Backwoods artists who show up as guests, what makes Trapdoor special is driven solely by the duo of Messiah and Def C. Messiah's beats are dark, brooding, beautiful, while Def C's performance is remarkably personal, insightful, and open. Although we should be happy to hear a Def C Messiah record will once again come in the future, at some point at least, as Def C mentioned to me when I interviewed him, Trapdoor feels like the culmination of years and years of personal and professional struggle and growth that most certainly can and will not be replicated by probably Def C and Messiah Music ever again, and certainly not by any other artist. This is a true landmark album that will not be forgotten. And finally, at number one in the grown man rap category, we have Luca's When the Black Hand Touches You. An album that is at times touching, soulful, hard as fuck, yet at its core, Luca constructed his blueprint for his newborn son and let us in on that. He showcases cold hard truths and lessons that Luca has accumulated 
throughout his life experience, all delivered with a lyrical ability that is just outstanding. He knows the right details to include in his stories and anecdotes and the right pockets to fill within these soul-heavy beats that complement him so well. There's just so much to love about this album, and I'm so happy to put When the Black Hand Touches You at number one as the best grown man rap album of 2021. Okay, now we're moving to our second last category, and that is the grimy shit. Albums that are gritty and hard and is definitely the biggest category by far, which I guess is just due to the fact that this year had a lot of great albums in this vein. So at number 28, Prose and Hobo Goblins, New Self. 27, Solar 5, Self-Medicated. 26, Flashes Clayton and Jester's Dust Diary. 25, Raz Fresco and Future Wave's Gorgeous Polo Sportsman. 24, Prose, Bloodstained Pages. The Mali Empire and Casablanca's Extreme Excellence. Number 22, Noir the Flood and Gilo Point, right over left. 21, Rome Streets and Future Wave, Razor's Edge. 20-year-old Droog and the God Fahim, the Yod Fahim. 19, Raz Fresco once again and DiBiase's Secret Wars. 18, Planet Asia, Rule of Thirds. 17, Boldy James and the Alchemist, Super Tecmo Bo. 16-year-old Droog, Space Bar. 15, Nas's Magic. 14, Raheem Supreme's The Fly Metaphysics. 13, Young Morpheus and I Dress Affable with Pointed Teeth. 12, we have Morpheus again, this time with Ewany thumbing through foliage. At 11, Mugs and Rome Streets, Death and the Magician. At number 10, Boldy and Alchemist once again with Bo Jackson. Number 9, Blood Blixing, Street Codes 3, Gangsta Edition. 8, Starker and Aldovino, Sacred. 7, Conway the Machine and Big Ghost Limited, If It Bleeds It Can Be Killed. 6, Teller Banks, The Pen For Whom the Sword Moves. And at number 5, Blood Blixing once again with Red October. This is one of Blood Blixing's best albums ever within his insanely busy 2021 that featured some of the most chaotic and creative instrumentals from him. There is such an electric energy behind this album that just makes me want to go back to it constantly. In number four, I have Westside Guns, Hitler Wears Hermes 8. Westside Guns, Hitler series, likely conclusion, sounded as big as the moment demanded. As someone who has ascended to true legend and star status, the luxury and ambitious scope was captured so well in this double album, particularly on side B with some amazingly curated beats and guests that put an exclamation point on what could be the last album from Westside Gun, period. I don't think it will be, but, you know, for now it is. At number three, we have Hus Kingpin's Portis Hus. Hus Kingpin's Portishead-inspired album was a genius idea just off jump, and it managed to stick the landing. The eerie, smoky, and dark atmosphere in the instrumentals fit so perfectly with Huss's typically cunning and smooth delivery. Just a lot of great wordplay and a lot of great guests too that uh, show up on this album as well. This was 
a very creative and well-produced album that absolutely was one of the best albums of the year. At number two, we have Blood Blixine for the third time on this list. Fortune favors the bold. This is my favorite Blood Blixine solo album, and it is his most personal look into his life as well. But don't get it twisted. There isn't really many moments that, or any moments that really lack that ridiculously tough and heavy tone that Blix's catalog never fails to hit. There is just a bit more in the lyricism, particularly from Blood Blixing as a rapper that I think is really impressive. It's either clever, hilarious, sometimes personal, sometimes brutally hard, brutally dark. And it also has some great A1 features from the likes of Blood Money Perez, Slayton Dixon, Man's Dem, and Iceberg Theory to really put the cherry on top to this great album. And finally, at number one in the grimy shit tier, it should be no surprise that the RMPP Rapper of the Year is again topping this list with Why Look Up, Gods in the Mirror, as Luca captures his third illustrious RMPP in this award show. Unlike the soul food that Luca was serving up on When the Black Hand Touches You, Why Look Up is cold, it's dark, and it's absolutely menacing. Luca is still as thoughtful as ever as a lyricist, but this time around, the lyrical angle is right in the heat of the action. And it sees Luca flex his picture painting skills and further refining how it communicates emotion that makes you feel and truly care about every word he's saying. On Why Look Up, that emotion is often anger and frustration, which is no surprise considering Luca told us during our interview back in April of 2021 that this album would feature stories he never told before that were very personal and very, like, for lack of a better word, traumatic and difficult. The results of these previously untold stories, along with the fantastically dark and cold mechanical production from Walls, was a album that is just so powerful, evocative, and another album of the year contender for Luca. Can you tell I like Luca yet? Okay, cool. All right, the second last tier that we're covering today, and that is the Lyrical Wizardry tier. Albums that dazzle with their command of the English language and their ability to paint lyrical pictures. All right, here we go. At 17, I have Man's Dems, Manzi Koufax. At 16, I have Silence and Wavy Bagels, Mutatus Mutandus. 15, ASAP Rock and Blockhead's Garbology. 14, Thick and Silence's That Was a Test. 13, Lungs slash Lone Sword, The Birth of Lone Sword. 12, I have Lungs and Mims, Snowing in Hell. 11, AJ Suede, Avada Kedavra. At 10, Sleep Sinatra's In God's Image. 9, Rap Ferreira and Scallops Hotel, Bob's Son. 8, Pop, the duo of Joaquin Fox and Lord Glacier. The Abstraction of Squandering Thoughts. At 7, Uncommon NASA, Only Child. 
Six, Rat Ferreira, the light-emitting diamond-cutter scriptures. At five, Premrock's Lord-bearing crow's feet. This, in my opinion, is Premrock's definitive statement after years of refining his craft. This one showcases such exceptionally well-written stories and looks inside the elusive Prem's psyche and thought processes in a really interesting way. Throughout this album, Prem steers you through a sea of fulsome thoughts that give you a lot to chew on, with really warm and inviting production that rounds out this album beautifully. At number four, I have a Kai Solo and Navy Blue's True Sky. Linking up with Navy Blue has been a great move for underground lyricists in 2021. The best example, in my opinion, being the magnificent and grand True Sky that saw Akai's wise raps be paired with Navy's best set of beats that he gave to anybody in 2021. This is Akai's most complete and rewarding album yet that is as beautiful as the album artwork is. At number three, I have Curly Castro's Little Robert Hutton. This is another album and another definitive piece from an artist. This time it's Backwood Studios' Curly Castro, who first caught my eye in 2020 with his shrapnel debut with Prem Rock. Conceptually, this album is inspired by the story of Bobby Hutton and the Black Panthers and tackles topics like America's racist past and present but from a perspective that catapults Castro and the cast of excellent guests into the future with excellent production that pulls from the past with its heavy jazz elements, let's say, but as well from the future with its really distinct electronic textures. It's a one-of-a-kind album that is so fast-paced and entertaining and exhilarating front to back. Okay, at number two, we have Iceberg Theory and August Fanon, Horn Monk. Iceberg Theory's only rap release of this past year, after an immensely prolific 2020, was a very good one and my favorite project of his to date. The creative chemistry between Fanon and Iceberg has only strengthened, where Horn Monk is their most refined and well-crafted album yet. There are no lulls, no real inconsistencies in the flow of the album. And although Ice maintains his fantasy, novel-like lyrical style, I feel he was a bit more personal than normal, and it leads to some beautifully sentimental moments, like the ode to late great rapper Scorsese on the final track that was just so exceptional. I feel like Horn Monk is the best representation of what makes this duo special and what they have to offer. And at number one, my number one album of lyrical wizardry for 2021 is Cause Martyr's Reward. The Brownsville wordsmith is one of those odd artists that are both incredibly respected and unique, yet rarely imitated. Unlike other influential acts in the underground right now, Cause is touted as a special artist, yet rarely sees his style attempted to be duplicated because... Although the spoken word, slow, calculated flow has been employed sparingly by some, the raw wisdom and lyrical wordplay at the core of Cause Appeal is just a wave you can't ride. That's not something you can just fabricate. On Martyr's Reward, Cause lyrical ability has never been better, and his lyrical scope topically feels the most hopeful and uplifting it ever has. This is one of those albums that you could truly live by. 
Just listen to the words that Ka says, you'll be fine. Marta's reward is a shining testament to everything great about Ka. All right, finally, we are here at the final tier of the second annual RMPPs, the top albums, the top 125 albums of the year. My voice is almost going to die right now. It's very late on a Monday, now Tuesday, early morning. Let's get into it. All right. This tier is the Mind Activation tier, which is albums that really melt your mind, are really challenging and experimental in sound, lyrical approach, and everything in between. Number 15, we have The Bugs, Fire. At 14, we have Electrical Bananas, A Sudden Craze. 13, I Self Divine, Rituals of Resilience. 12, Mims and Blood Money Perez, Blood Money Mims, Mitosis. 11, we have Wolf Fox by Walking Fox and Virgil Wolf. 10, we have Nosage of New Kingdom and V8, Acid is Groovy, Kill the Pigs. 9, Cadence Weapon, Parallel World. 8, Injury Reserve, By the Time I Get to Phoenix. 7, Moor Mother, Black Encyclopedia of the Air. 6, Sleep Sinatra, Divine Nation. At 5, we have Wiki and Nas, Telephone Booth. Wiki's first of two great projects in 2021 came completely out of left field. Working with Na, an experimental producer that I hadn't heard of previously, uh, incorporates a lot of noise into these productions. It created a highly immersive musical style for this LP that leveraged punk, new wave, 80s and 90s rock sounds, which is something I rarely if ever hear in hip hop. And on the rapping side of things, Wiki showcased a lyrical focus that deeply impressed me as he managed to make these songs feel complete even as they often never reach the two minute mark. At number four, we have Steel Tip Doves, Call Me When You're Outside. Doves' Backwood Studios debut album was nothing short of fantastic. The vast space and atmosphere Dove created in these instrumentals was just so spectacular. It creates an environment that you can truly get lost in with vocalists contributing A1 performances to top it off. At three, we have Andrew Mubarak and Vellum Bristol, Ultraviolet Flamingo. This album is a complete and utter mindfuck. I cannot stress this enough. Vellum Bristol, aka Joaquin Fox, crafted a sound for this album that is so mind-melting. There are fragmented blasts of jazz, powerful elements of noise too in this that makes it just so utterly engaging, confusing, fascinating. And on the rapping side, Andrew is a master surrealist. His spoken word style, deadpan, dry humor kind of vibe, and hyper-nuanced depiction of many complex issues is again just so fascinating and rewards multiple, multiple listens. I've played this album so many times because it's really insanely dense that it really requires it to even begin to unpack it. But once you do, it's a must listen. Just give it, give it three listens. Give it five listens. Fuck it, give it 10 listens. Just listen to it, buy it. It's great. 
All right, number two, we have Cities of Eve with the crashing sound of how it goes. Just right off the bat, listen to that title. Doesn't that sound like a masterpiece just off the title alone? Well, Cities of Eve is a visionary that I believe translated that immense artistic scope to this latest album. Separating this album into a beats category and a rhymes category seems inauthentic to me because... There is a marriage between City's impassioned mantra-like vocals and these creative beats that makes it all feel like one cohesive expression. This is a long album that brings you on a real journey into a kaleidoscope of emotion, invigorating sound, and lyrics that are so powerful and I think will really impact your spirit, honestly. This is a work of art. And now we are finally here at the end. At number one in the mind activation tier here in the second annual RMPPs, and also my true favorite album of the year in 2021 of any category, I have Arm & Hammer's Haram. After a run of absolute sheer excellence, Backwood Studios started off 2021 with their biggest album ever. An Arm & Hammer collaboration with the legendary Alchemist that somehow exceeded the insanely high expectations I already had for them. I was intrigued to see if Woods and Elucid would try and play into Alk's very creative but more straightforward style of production. But instead, Alk flexed into Arm & Hammer's world and brought so many more abstract flares and elements to the table and crafted what I believe is Alchemist's finest production performance ever. As lyricists, Elucid and Woods maintain their elite performances of their past years, yet I'd say were somewhat more impressionistic in their raps than typical and I think really yielded some amazing results. All of this adds up to a spellbinding artistic statement that is emotionally evocative, thought-provoking, and my clear album of the year. This catapults Billy Woods and Elucid to heights that, even as a diehard fan, I never thought could maybe be so universally accepted. But at this point, I think the world is beginning to realize Billy Woods, Elucid, two of the greatest rap artists of all time. Whew, all right. That concludes the second annual RMPPs. And just before we go here, I want to conclude by quickly saying how grateful I am for each and every one of you who are listening. After starting a more broader podcast called QLC TV on many different topics that surely did include music, but it also included politics, personal development, even sports. I quickly realized I was best suited to speak on my one true passion, and that is music, particularly the greatest style of music ever created, hip-hop. So at the tail end of 2020, I changed the name of this show and changed its focus to Strictly Rap, and the rest is history. That being said, though, my confidence and belief in this show was by no means very high, yet I have to say I credit a huge part of this show's growth to community. 
And that first starts with none other than Iceberg Theory. He was my first true artist connection that I made with this show. I connected with him through Twitter and invited him in on the show for an interview. And honestly, my first thought was, what the fuck am I doing interviews for? He he just put a call out to do some press for Dispatches from the Kali Yuga, his album with August Fanon in 2020. And I just answered the bell, but that's what I was thinking. Like, what am I doing? Why do I think I have any business actually speaking to artists and wasting their time? But after that interview, and then the Fatboy Sharif and Roper Williams interview, as well as the interview I did with Rick Chime that was really interesting. Although I wouldn't say those interviews were necessarily the best display of hosting that I could have done at the time, it sure, certainly was very raw in comparison to what I believe is a better product now. A new sense of confidence and purpose began to come over me. Some personal challenges, though, colored a lot of my summer and deflated this feeling. But then after returning back home from a trip down to Vancouver, which was very refreshing, I was able to link up with Big Flowers for a animation that you now see all the time with my marketing clips and my YouTube videos, and also was able to collaborate with Blood Blixing to create a jingle for the show. And their new life again powered the show and propelled me to then build the website that features a bunch of dope written content that I'm really proud of and a Patreon uh, that is relatively recent that houses exclusive bonus episodes, album recommendations, and more for its subscribers. The theme throughout all of this is that at every step of the way, especially when I really needed the juice, I was welcomed by the community, whether it be through interview guests being gracious with their time, dope collaborations with great artists, and even just the many friends I've made on Twitter as a result of this show. Like I've really been able to connect with a lot of really nice and just like-minded people. And lastly, but definitely not least, just the general listenership that has grown over the this past year. I am really appreciative of your time and I don't want you to think that I take that investment that you're putting into this show for granted because 2021 was the first time I felt truly alone. So I cannot state enough how important this show has been for my well-being and continues to be. And man, just outside of that, like I'm just really excited for what we have in store in 2022. At this point, just a heads up, the next two months of the show is already filled with amazing content that I am, I would love to do even more. You know, I already have some reviews coming. I already have four guests that are already confirmed that are going to be so great and many more. I would love to do more. And I hope that as you continue to listen to the show or watch it, whatever, consider supporting through the Patreon that's obviously the biggest way that I can actually get monetary support for what I'm doing here. It takes an extreme amount of time and I do work a full-time job. So it is, it is difficult sometimes it's 12 50 AM right now. I'm exhausted, 
but I do this because I love it. And I do this because I'm really excited and energized, honestly, by all the connections and the community that we're building here. And it's also just super wild. Some of the things that have already happened just this past year, just for starters, being able to interview these guests, like I never assumed I'd even be able to interview people that I could say I truly loved their music where as in reality, I legitimately can say that every single time I've interviewed someone like that's just wild to me. And then to think that I had like a full on COVID debate with an artist on air, it's still up that spanned a straight up an hour just on that topic got super contentious. I honestly feel like I looked like a dick in portions of this because I was being kind of, you know, condescending at times. I don't, I don't, I kind of regret some of that for sure. But at the end of the day, it's just wild that that even happened. It's, it's, it's wild that I know I got into a back and forth with a certain rapper that will definitely not be named and was low key threatened because they were mad. I criticized them on Twitter or the fact that blood blixing collabed with me on street codes three and my name or the show or my moniker, whatever is in the final track. And my voice is on it as I do a mock interview form at the end of that on the rap music plug speaks track. And to know that I'm on a vinyl record with that track title and my voice on wax, like that is sick. And I can't thank you all again that this has been a very eventful year that was spent mostly cooped up in my apartment here in a city that honestly I don't feel is my home anymore. So all that's to say, thank you. I've been rambling. I really appreciate it. Consider supporting on Patreon. We're only going up from here. Peace. So there we have it. Another episode of the Rap Music Plug podcast presented by QLC TV. I hope this episode gave you some new perspectives and insights into what the greatest art form known to man in hip-hop music has to offer. If you want to support the show in the most meaningful way possible, it would be my absolute honor to have you as a patron in the new Rap Music Plug podcast Patreon. Through this Patreon, you will be getting exclusive content such as bonus episodes, exclusive album recommendations, exclusive playlists, early access to episodes, and more. And above all though, you will be able to support the show directly in a way that will not only justify the crazy amount of time I spend on this show already, but allow me to cover some of the expenses related to supporting all of these great artists that we cover on the show through the website and will allow us to sustain and build on this amazing growth that the RMPP has experienced recently. Big shout out to Dano of Free Music Empire, Levy, Mahima, Jeff, Fatman Tomb, and Khalid for your generous support through the Patreon. I really appreciate it. So if you have any questions about any of the Patreon stuff or just want to keep tabs on the show, interact with me on rap music and all the great stuff that we can talk about, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at rapmusicplugpod or shoot me an email at qlctv.podcast at gmail.com. 
you can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on YouTube and Spotify as well. But that's enough self-promotion for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Peace. Peace.